Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Oh, God. That was just so hard. That was the, that was a, such a brutal, a brutal loss. Brutal way to lose. Just there's no sugarcoating that. That was just horrible. That was a horrible game in so many ways. And it, and it, it was all the more horrible because the Oilers actually played really well for much of the game. They had 21 grade A shots to nine grade A shots for the Senators in this game, Bruce. They just needed some defensive stops, basic defensive plays and some goaltending, and they'd win this game handily. And they couldn't hold on to a 3-1 lead. They tie it up in the third and they still lose. It was just brutal. <laughs> It was a brutal game on top of a brutal stretch of games. Probably the most brutal game in a brutal stretch of games. How about that? Yeah, well, it was the one of the the whole stretch that you think that they're going to win this game. They got a two goal lead against anybody. A two goal lead should should be a game that's won. And against uh, you know uh, Ottawa Senators team that they dominated last year, they come into the third period up three to one, and to fritter away the lead with some piss poor defense in the first five minutes of the third period basically and then uh just uh downhill from there david it was horrible all right what's your good thing oh do we we're going to do good things first okay yeah let's do our good things uh, all right out of the uh way. yeah i'm going to go with secondary scoring uh i, I wrote a column today um criticizing Oilers' lack of production from the bottom of the lineup, and that usually works. And It almost worked out for a win, but uh, they got goals tonight from uh, uh, from Zach Cassian, uh, from uh, uh, Connor Yamamoto, and Brendan Perlini. All, uh, Cassian's was a power play goal. Uh, the other two guys on lower lines, and then Darnell Nurse connected with the... Uh, uh, I think each line effectively got one goal in this game, and it was spread around a little bit more, a lot more than it usually is. And unfortunately, it was their big guns that didn't produce so offensively, even though they certainly had more than their share of chances that they generated. But uh, Matt Murray was uh, George Besna anytime. Uh, uh, McDavid and Drysaddle was on the ice, and the rest of the game he was pretty average. But uh, he sure came up with some phenomenal saves against the big guys, and uh, saves were the difference in this game. One team got some, one team really didn't. Yeah, George Vezina, he used to hold the stick like <laughs> they used to hold the stick, like hockey players held the stick to goal. As I was just watching a clip of an old-fashioned game from Madison Square uh-huh. Gardens in 1930 today. And um, oh, yeah. Murray's almost like that. He's got a very unorthodox style in a lot of ways. Like, and and how did he keep that one shot out from Connor McDavid in the first on the power play where McDavid had the wide open net? That was yeah. that was a tough one. Bruce, my good thing. I actually liked the top four defense. I liked the partnership of Nurse and Cece quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Partly because I'd been advocating for that two weeks ago. It was my number one thing to turn around the Oilers. Number two thing is to trade for a goalie. Um. I might put that to number one. I, I thought Nurse and CeCe were, were strong together. I mean, uh, CeCe took a late penalty, which was kind of a tough play. He's trying to lift the guy's stick. He misses and he hits him in the face. You know, you're responsible for your stick. So not not great. Um, but 
other than that, those two guys were were strong all game long, and Nurse was flying out there like the uh, you know he's the Edmonton Express of the 21st century here, the new Eddie Shore flying up the ice, and he he you know he did it a number of times. Um, broke in, in I think it was in the first right through the middle of the ice and got a great mm-hmm. shot on net. Um, and then uh, finally t- took a there there was an, actually a very nice sequence of play where CC won a Tough battle in front of the net with Brady Kachuk. Um, put it over to Yesid Pugliarvi. Stretch pass to Hyman. Hyman uh, whips over a cross-seam pass to Nurse, who just fired it in to tie the game. And I just thought, oh, we're on our way. Like, back on track here. And it was short-lived. It was too bad. But that was a great, nice, very nice goal by Darnell Nurse. He had nine shots on net. CC mm-hmm. was strong defensively all game long. Um... He and Keith, you know, if they could make one criticism, they they were uh, two of the culprits on um, power play goals against. It would have been nice if Keith had blocked that last one, for instance. Yeah. That that said, I think Duncan. Other than that play, Duncan Keith might have had his best game as an Edmonton owner. He mm-hmm. he's really looking like a fine hockey player right now, especially with the puck. He's playing good. He had he had a couple plays. I mean, he he um, he walked the line. In, so fast and so well and then pump the you know lob the puck or tap the puck into Perlini in the shot who snapped at home just a great play by by Duncan Keith and he had another one uh I think he set up Yamamoto on a great uh cross ice dart over to Yamamoto in the slot just before Yamamoto scored actually and um played very well Tyson Berry he he made a brain fart of a play to get a penalty early in the game but he, he and Keith were really snapping that puck around well and um you know did a good job in, in that regard so you know we'll see how they are defensively because both players Keith at this age at his age and just Barry always they can you know they can have defensive issues but I think you really do need to have your two best right and left side defensemen paired up on the top pairing and that's CC and Nurse and then see how everyone can do from there and maybe Barry and Keith can can hold it their own um, if uh, Nurse and CC are, are doing the heavy lifting. Although I noticed the Ottawa's top line was out there a lot against Bouchard and Lagasin. And we're going to get to those two un- characters in a little bit. They really struggled. But the top four didn't. At even strength, they were towers of power, those uh, two defensive pairings. And tilted the ice in Edmonton's favor when they were out there with the, with their... Uh, f- sound defensive play and really strong passing. What's your bad thing? We're gonna we'll do two bad things each, Bruce. We can't resist because there's just even though there was only nine grade A shots against, there's lots of bad things. What's your first bad thing? Yeah, well, I'm gonna go with the uh, with the net mining. Uh, Stuart Skinner. Uh, how many times have we said this this year? The Oilers had the second best net minder in the game. And it was not close in this game. I mean, four goals to support, and they limited the other team to nine grade-A scoring chances, and five of them went in the net. And two of the nine chances came off of Skinner's own turnover behind the net where he was able to get back in front and make the first save, and they jammed home the rebound. Well, that was the five grade-A chances Ottawa had in the third period. Four went in, and the other one was that save where the rebound went in. Like, how about a save? You know, I thought really both the the Zub goal. I mean, that was a good shot, and uh, and it was a, a horrible screen, but it was like 
three or four inches inside the post. And, you know, if he'd been out on top of this crease, maybe taken down a little more angle, maybe. And then the game winner, I mean, guy beat him from, you know, top of the face-off circle. He got a clean shot and a clean look, but it wasn't like he, you know, it wasn't Brett Hull burying a rocket from uh, from there. You know, he had the puck. He didn't one-time it. He just beat Skinner, and Skinner got beat on uh, on a few uh, uh, few plays tonight. And uh, not enough saves. Not enough saves. He had a golden opportunity to seize the, the job here. And unfortunately, he laid an egg in, in what was a very big game in his career. And uh, this is uh, this really leaves Ken Holland in a, in a conundrum. I mean, who's the goalie? Who's the goalie is a good who's question, the goalie? Bruce. They, they got to trade for one, Bruce. Well, I, I like I know some people that. say there's no one, no one available, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Uh, you can't. I mean, Skinner has been trending down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he started out hot. Costin has been trending down. Smith trending down. Like they've all just been cratering. And this was a really rough game from Skinner in a lot of ways. You know, on the turnover, he he had options either side, Bouchard or Lagasin. He could have passed to. On the one side, his blind side was Lagasin, and there, but there was no Ottawa senator there. The the only he was only passing through the senator to get it to Bouchard. And of course the senator knocked the puck down as forwards will. They got, you know, these are NHL forwards. They got great hands. Don't pass through them. Make these, make the safe pass. Now maybe Lagasin's not yelling at him. Maybe there was a, a lack of cum- communication between the rookie, but they've, they've played together in Bakersfield, these guys, mm-hmm. you know, th- that was just, a, that was a really bad turnover. <sighs> Bruce, my bad thing, our Lagasin, and the pairing of Lagasin and Bouchard, they just, mm-hmm. they fell apart um, in the third period. They they were out for the, f- uh, you know, the first uh, three even strength goals against. And it's the, f- I'm going to focus on that first goal, the 3-2 goal where things start to go sour. Because the orders have the game well in hand then. They really do. and they, they should win this game going away. They should easily win this game. And... It starts off, Yamamoto kind of loses a battle in the in the offensive zone and they break out fast, but that's really not the play. And if Alan Walsh is wondering why William Lagasin isn't in the lineup all the time, watch this play, Alan. Like seriously. Lagasin's played okay hockey this year. I'm not I don't I don't I'm not trying to say that he has, you know, he's been terrible all year. But this is there has been plays like this last year, this year. And he just got caught flat footed in the neutral zone. And a, and a two-on-one develops yeah. out of it. It can't happen at that point in the game. He's got to make that play if he's going to play in the NHL. He's got to do it, and he didn't. And then, so it's a two-on-one coming in. And Bouchard, two-on-one, let the shooter shoot. Don't allow the pass. And he, Bouchard, he, he fades towards the shooter, moves towards the shooter, opening up the passing lane, and it's a pass over and a goal. So two rookie mistakes by, you know, young defensemen. And um, such a crucial moment. I didn't, honestly, Bruce, I didn't think we'd see them in the game again after that. And I was thinking, don't put them in. Like, that's what I was thinking. Don't, don't do it. They get out there again and, and, you know, Skinner does the turn away. And then Bouchard, and and on that play, there was, a you know, Skinner made the first day, but Lagasin's right beside the goalie 
when the rebound comes, he's got to be thinking, okay, take the man, take the man, take the man, and he doesn't take the man, and his man scores. Or That's stick. take a stick, do something. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let him score. You know, yeah. the goalie's got the shot. I got the the guy. And then, of course, Bouchard screened the goalie on um, the next goal. And it was a pretty bad screen, is the truth. Skinner, like, I agree. Would have been nice for Skinner to make that save, but that was a pretty pretty tough play with Bouchard really screening uh, him. And, and, and I could imagine the goalie not being very happy with the, the defenseman. You know, either block the shot or get out of the way kind of thing. And sometimes you're, well, you know, he's trying to block the shot, so it's... But really, it was that second goal, Bruce, where there's two, I don't know, if, you, if you'd call Lagasin's mistake a mental mistake, Bouchard's was a mental mistake, but mm-hmm. Lagasin's maybe was just a physical error. He's not fast enough. He's not a good enough skater or something to make the play, but can't ha- can't happen. And uh, I gave him a two in that game, yeah. you know, mainly based on that play, but on other plays as well. So, what's your other bad thing? <sighs> Well, I got to go with Edmonton's crappy penalty kill. They had three penalties in the game, and they managed to give up the first goal on the first penalty kill, and they managed to give up the game-winning goal on the last penalty kill. And both times they left Josh Norris, who only happens to be Ottawa's leading goal scorer, alone in the high slot twice, all alone. The first one, all four penalty killers went into the corner. I know. All four guys. And the, and the pass came through, and Norris had all day. And I still, you know, that was potentially a savable shot, too. Yes. Like, you know, I mean, he the penalty kill screwed up to give him such a clean look, but it wasn't like he rifled one bar down, you know. It was kind of went, you know, it went in. And then uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, on, the, on the game winner, again, the passing lane opened up, and... Uh, um, Sevier uh, and Ryan were getting beat on the on the high passes, and this one came from the first one came from the corner to the uh, top of the right face off circle. The second one came from the left wing boards to the top of the right circle. Sevier couldn't cut off the pass. Keith couldn't shut off the shooting lane. Skinner couldn't seal the net. Boom! Four minutes left in the third period. You need some kind of execution from your penalty kill, and it just didn't happen. And that's six games in a row Edmonton's lost the special teams battle. All five games on the road trip uh, was one against 0-4. Tonight they got one, but they gave in two on the on the power play. And, you know, those six games, Edmonton's winless. Zero wins, four losses, two ties. And a five-on-five five in those games, if you throw out the special teams and the empty net goals, that wouldn't have happened without the, you know, without the lead being what was. The Oilers were actually two-two-and-two in the last six games at five-on-five, five, which has been their weakness until now. Well, now they got their five-on-five five where they've sought off in those games, and their special teams have let them down six games in a row. Yeah, Bruce. My other bad thing is just focusing in on Sevier's play on that that. Um winning goal and you know when the order's penalty kill has been bad they have allowed cross team passes yeah and oh. that's what that's what they did there that was just not even close he's got again this is like it's like the logus in play in the neutral zone you've just got to stop that pass you got to stop that cross team pass and he didn't 
So he and Ryan, um, Ryan was the guy who was the, like in the first goal against, he was, you know, got the guy who conceivably could have been covering the slot. He got in too deep and didn't stop it. And then Sevier on that last one, it was just stop that pass. Like, don't let that pass through. It may just make me wish Josh Archibald was back in the lineup and uh, maybe he'd make that play. I don't know. They just, Sevier's been good up until now, but he's been having a few defensive lapses, you know, which which is going to happen. But very frustrating way to lose a hockey game, Bruce. Yeah. Well, the the PK has given in uh, seven on their last 18. So oh, yeah, that's yeah, like six, barely 60% success rate on the penalty kill. Bruce, um, what is your numero? My number is five. And five is the number of shifts that Evan Bouchard had in the third period of tonight's game. And five is the number of Ottawa goals that were scored while Evan Bouchard was on the ice in the third period. Every one of his shifts, I believe, ended with an Ottawa goal. I haven't matched up the times at the end of the shift, but I'm, they scored on all five of his shifts. Uh, last time I checked, the timekeepers had a small error that showed him going off the ice during one of the shifts and then coming back on, which made no sense and which didn't happen. <laughs> I went back and, and watched that. By the way, I will credit at Bone207 for pointing this out. I said to my wife, uh, when it was when they scored the third one, I said, geez, Laguson and, and Bouchard are both minus three in this period, and I'm pretty sure they've had three shifts, so I was going to go back and check later, but at Bone 207 beat me to it and said, have you ever seen five goals against on six shifts? And I looked at the, so I went and I looked at the time on ice. Here we go. I'm going to look at it again because it's so unusual. I mean, <laughs> how unusual is that? 75... Yeah, he's on. They show him as being on the ice for, for uh, his last six shifts are GG open space GGG, and those are all Ottawa G's. And the one with the open space, they show him as being on the ice from nine oh nine fifty five to ten oh five, then going off until ten ten and coming back out until they scored. And I mean, he didn't go off ten seconds into a shift for five seconds and then come back up. That doesn't happen. And he didn't do it. He was on screen. So. So literally, uh, he had five shifts in the third period and Ottawa scored on every single one of them. I don't think I've ever seen that before. All right. Um, My numbers, Bruce, are 10 and 10. Both McDavid and Dreisaitl, Bruce, made major contributions to 10 grade A shots each. They and um, you know, Dreisettle had the one pass. Dreisettle was fantastic that game. I think I, I gave I, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, people are going to look at my grades because I gave an eight to Dreisettle and an eight to Nurse, and they're going to say, like, How can you do that? Well, I grade on process, mm-hmm. and um, the process for those two players was outstanding. They just had they, they had great games, mm-hmm. and they 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 didn't make defensive mistakes that allowed goals against their other people on their team did. So you you know within a team game when you know players are shifting on often on the ice players can have great games in a loss in a miserable brutal loss. Drysdale and Drysdale was just he was flying out there and winning battles and you know the play where he set up Cassian was a case in point. You know he wins the battle in the corner, passes it out, Cassian scores. Great shot by Zach Cassian by the way. Oh, it was. And and, and a um, great saucer pass by. Um, Dreisaitl too. By Leon. Yeah, he was just he was just all game long doing that. And um McDavid was flying out there. He, you know, he 
he he had a, a frustrating game in some ways because he he was seemed a little bit iffy with the puck and like he had a breakaway and he kind of lost it a bit and then he had that open net he didn't score um i think it was the third or the fourth goal where he was out there and he was completely out of position not covering the point right all the there was the forwards were kind of running around a bit on that yeah. one and he came out shifted on and so you know he he had a few warts in his game but he was also creating all kinds of scoring chances that game and they just could not get any he could you know to have 10 major contributions to to grade a shots and not have a point is exceedingly rare and um that was Connor mcdavid's night he was very frustrated after the game not surprisingly Bruce Oilers are getting close to the real 500 mark, are they not? They've got 18 wins and 17 losses now. Mm, that's pretty close. 17 yeah. All-State. So, you know, usually, um, you know, the mark of a decent NHL team is real real 500. The mark of a good one is better than that, obviously. They're not a good team right now. Haven't been for some time. I wonder, if, I wonder what they're going to do with the goalie situation. I mean... Mike Smith is out, like they said, for a week to two weeks. Maybe that's going to be, maybe he'll bet. Their, their, their next game's not for five more days, right? Is that correct? Yes, they play again on Thursday against the lowly Florida Panthers, who've only scored 16 goals in the last two games. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, well, I bet you we see Smith. I bet you Smith's in uh, Maybe. Maybe. I don't know who's going to be behind the bench. Like, I don't think they're going to fire tip it, but if they were, now might be the moment. Uh, well, they I had this one standalone kind of standout game in a 15-day span where they only had one game, and it was at home against Ottawa, and they desperately needed to win to break a five-game losing streak. And his team couldn't tamp down a 3-1 lead in the third period. So, and you can look at the process, Dave, and I'll agree with you. A lot of the process in this game was good. The Oilers should have won that game. And you could play that game 10 times, and the Oilers would probably win seven or eight of the 10 times. But tonight was one of the, one of the two or three times that they would find a way not only not to win it, but not even get a stinking point out of it. And uh, oh, God. it's just, You're right, Bruce. you know, and you know what they got coming up now, of course, this isn't a real schedule because there's a big Olympic gap in here. Uh, but in their next their next game, they have Florida, then Calgary. Uh, they have uh, one game against Nashville. And then uh, they go on the road and they play Washington, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina. Oh, boy. Boy, indeed. Oh, boy, indeed. Yeah, so they could have used the win, Bruce. They really needed a win there. And well, they, uh, need, they need points. They need yeah. points. And they, you know, and they, they, they need I don't know what, what it's going to take to, to start to <clears throat> develop a little bit of faith and trust in one another because when the chips are down somebody finds a way to screw up. Bruce, they need goaltending. They need to trade for a goalie is what they need to do. Ron Lowe, come on down. Someone. <laughs> they gotta they've got to make a move in net. They've got to trade for a goalie is mm-hmm. what they've got to do. They've been getting terrible goaltending. How many times are 35 games? Okay, I'm going to bet you 10 times. It's been 10 times that the Oilers have better goalie on the night than the opposition. If we went through these games, 
10 times is what I'm saying. Maybe there's a few where it was kind of a soft. Yeah. But 10 times. And the other times, you know, 20 times, 21, 22 times, it's been the other team. The Oilers need a goalie. And we all had our fingers crossed with Stu Skinner, you know, like, and maybe one game's too much to give up on him. Obviously, oh, it can't is. Give up Obvious, obviously, but it is. He but had just, a big chance tonight, and, and he crapped the bed. I don't think there's another I mean, for honest this season, way to put it. Giving up on him for this season, right? Like, what are you going to do about this season? Giving up would be trading for a goalie right now and saying, well, we're not going to, we're, we're not, we're going to send Stu to Bakersfield and he's going to play out the year there. Or you send him for the other goalie. That would be giving up on him. But that would, but they're not going to do that. But they're, they're not going to do that. But I could see them thinking, okay, enough. Maybe they're going to sign Evander Kane and that'll be their move. Like that's what, if you know, if he's available to be, we don't know if he's available to be signed or if he'd sign here yet still, but maybe that'll be the big move to shake things up. But really they need a goalie, Bruce. They Jimmy need. Howard, Jimmy Howard's still out there, David. Marc-Andre Fleury's <laughs> out there. Um, there are some goalies. Mm. Just, I, I don't know. I guess, like, he says he doesn't want to give... I, and I understand this, too. I understand his thinking. Ken Holland's thinking, like, you don't want to give up the first because it might be a high pick. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Bruce. Chicago got Marc-Andre Fleury only for cap space. And you know where they got the cap space from? Heaven to Norris. Yeah. So, if we're going to go down that road, you're going to hear that from me, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> and I, 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 it's not me hating on Duncan Keith, but I do hate on that trade. I think that was poor cap management by the veteran GM. I really do. I just think he misread the market. And, and now, you know, what other assets you got? You traded your cap space, which is the biggest asset that you have in this league, in my view, anymore. So now you're getting into, into you know, prospects or draft picks and they have to do dollar in, dollar out. So it was all kinds of headaches getting that done. And if, yeah, I had, well, if I had any faith at all that the Oilers could possibly win a trade, I'd be a little more excited about it. But you have to go back a while to find the last one of those. So some would say they won the Warren Fogle for Ethan Bear trade because Ethan Bear was healthy scratch tonight. I had that suggested to me today by a couple of couple of posters and i'd say the jury's way out on that trade but uh uh ethan bear had covid and he's he's not bounced back very well from it is what i'm seeing but it's well uh, i don't you know it's not like fogel's been great he's been okay-ish ethan bear mm-hmm. was you know ethan bear was up and down and and i like mm-hmm. i liked he, he he played well at times for the edmonton Oilers. um Anyway, this, I, I haven't looked at his play at all in Carolina. I can't say. Like, I, I saw that he was he's getting about, you know, third-pairing minutes this season in, in, in Carolina. He's he's a good player, um, Ethan Bear. I don't, I'd have him on yeah. my team as, your, as a third-pairing guy. Probably on a good team, he's not um, top-pairing. Well, Carolina's, a, oh, not top-pairing. No, no, I agree. Oh, not top four on a good team, but he's, he's, uh, He's a decent hockey player. Anyway, so was Warren Fogel. I, I, I just think it was a trade. The owners, it was a trade for need. Maybe they, Warren Fogel you know, is minus 10 for the season, by the way. I still like Warren Fogel. I think he's... he's a, there's, there's things to like about his game. And, you know, some of the... I mean, that that stat's always always subject yeah, to... it's a crappy to, stat. 
you flukiness, but the fact is the Oilers are getting outscored when he's on the ice, and I do put stock in that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll have all kinds of scheming and things to do in the next three or four days. Intrigue over Evander Kane. And, of course, we'll have Kurt Levin's mm-hmm. uh, fabulous nine things column mm-hmm. coming up. I've already posted the player grades, so just got to post this podcast. Right. And we're good to go. Any final thoughts, Bruce? Do you have any, uh, you know, I've given my grand solutions. I, I wrote a post about it, of course, two weeks ago. So I was thinking on it then. And, and uh, you know, I've been back and forth on the trading for the goalie. Mm-hmm. And I understand Holland's position about not giving, wanting to give up that first pick, but. Well, pedal to the metal. You can't trade the friends. second or the third pick because of the conditional pick he traded to Chicago, which is another pet peeve of mine. All right, he's, let's you know, he's painting himself into a little bit of a corner. Well, I got to say, yeah. I'm not very thrilled with the with the management at this point in time. Fair enough. I didn't like the press conference, and I'm not that impressed with the players that have, I've been added to the team. I wrote in my post today, and I pointed out which forwards on the team had been brought in by Holland versus which ones he inherited, and the guy, you know, the guys that he brought in have been outscored and, and outscored by a significant margin. And, you know, where are the bargain contracts on this team? Where are they? Who's outperforming his contract on this team? It's a short list. Outperforming his contract. Yeah, who's playing better than what they're paying him for? Nurse is. CC might be, arguably. If he he hangs in there in the top pairing. Um, Dreisaitl is. Um, Hyman is. I don't think Hyman is. I think he's, he's at five least. and a half million dollars, David. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's already he hasn't scored. A, he hasn't scored a goal in eleven games. He's got three, four assists in eleven games, and he is, uh, yeah, and a, and a big deep minus in that time. Like he's played good, but he's he's ha- he's been part of this problem during this December slide. He's a five and a half million dollars player. I like oh. him. I, yeah, I, like I mean, at best, he's pull, covering pull, pull his, He's not outperforming the bet. Right? Sure. He, was, he, he outperformed did. it when he was a two and a quarter million dollar player in Toronto. Well, now he's a five and a half million dollar player. The orders are paying him in full for what he brings. Pulley RV's outperforming his contract. Yep. Yeah. Pulley RV uh, McLeod as McLeod. young guys who are, you know, still on cheap contracts that are. Bouchard, that are, arguably, if he's in a third pairing role. I mean, is Russell still hurt? Yes, he's, he's skating again, but he's, uh, they said he was close, but yeah, if he's used... close, I think he'll be in for Wild Bill Legacy next game. I have no doubt about that, Bruce. <laughs> Zero. Oh, yeah, yeah, Anyway. I, Russell I... played tonight. The Oilers might have won that game. And yeah, this will send people around the bed. And if Mikko Koskinen had played today, they might have won that game. <laughs> oh, we can't win. No, that was a tough loss. That was a brutal loss. Two six-game losing streaks in six weeks. Two six-game losing streaks. So pressure's yeah. on the coach, the veteran coach, and the veteran manager to. Uh, that's why they're earning solutions that actually work. That's why they're earning the big bucks. We'll see. Oh, 
They'd be earning the big bucks if they were getting results. Right now, they're not getting any results. So I'm a little bit peeved uh, right from the top down. I just don't think they've done enough with the with the two main assets that they've got. Like they just haven't built enough of a team around those guys. Yeah. It's not going well. All right, let's leave it there. Let's leave it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's leave it there. I, turn, I haven't done let's it. change the channel on this one. I'm going to go watch Austin City Limits now, and I'll be a happier man in in an hour. All right, good stuff. <laughs> I've watched Cobra Kai the last little while. That's cheered me up. So. All right. All right. Thanks, Bruce, for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Mm-hmm.